Well, good morning, Christ Church, and welcome to worship this morning. Whether you are in the room with us or online this morning, we are so glad that you are here. And we wanted to take a minute before we uh, start with song like we normally do to just mark what today is in the life of the church, this church, and the life of the church globally and in our personal walk as believers and followers of the King because today marks Palm Sunday. It is the day when thousands of years ago, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he did so as a way to declare that he was the king, he was the Messiah that the people had been waiting for. And so to start our worship out this morning, I'm just gonna read from the Gospel of Matthew and I want you to listen to what the scripture says about what happened that day. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go, to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. And then Matthew tells us that this took place to fulfill the words of the prophet Zechariah, who said, see your king comes to you. He's gentle, he's riding, on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey, he will come. And so the disciples, they went and they did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on the donkey for Jesus to sit on. And then a very large crowd came and they spread their cloaks on the road and others, they cut branches from the trees, the palm branches. And they spread them on the road and the crowds, they went ahead of him and they followed him and they were shouting, Hosanna, son of David, Hosanna, it means God save, save us. For blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And the scripture tells us when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. They said, who, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Friends, it's the king who was to come. And today, this morning, I'm gonna invite you to stand because just like they did, we're gonna sing his praises and we're gonna sing Hosanna in the highest. We're gonna declare Jesus our king this morning. So will you stand with us if you are in the room, if you are at home, you might wanna sing these words out loud. Your voice praise praise is rising eyes are turning to we turn to you hope is stirring hearts are yearning for you we long for you When we see you We find strength To face the day That's right In your presence All my fears are washed away They're washed away Hosanna Hosanna 
online at home or you're here in the room just take a moment and just take a breath that song we were just singing says that when we see God as he truly is we find strength that all our fears are washed away and so father it's my prayer for myself and for my friends for our church that we would see you as you truly are and that as we do you would fill us with strength and courage with peace and confidence, with joy and abundance, with life and goodness and all good things. Father, we love you and we're grateful for you and we'll trust you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're here in the room, go ahead and grab a seat. Amen. 
Tony, I'm so glad that you invited us to take a moment to take a breath because I was out of breath singing that song before I had to stand up here this morning and just welcome you again, whether you're in person or online. We are so glad that you are here. My name is Sue Ann. I serve on staff as the women's director and it literally is always a joy to be with you here in worship. Whether you are visiting for the first time or you have been here for a very long time, just know we're glad that you're here. And if you want to find a way or different ways to just take another step into the life of the church or to connect with us more deeply, we always encourage that. We always invite it. Uh, you can actually text the number on the screen and just let us know that and we'll, we'll help you along uh, that journey. You're welcome to talk to me after the service or if you're online, just drop a question or say hello in the chat in our online chat host will be happy to direct you a little further as well. Well, we always take this time in the, the midst of our service to share a few things that are happening in the life of the church, and I just want to uh, share a few things with you now. Uh, first of all, we have been encouraging you over the last month to participate in something called Pray for One, in which we've been asking, is there one person just one person that God has put on your heart, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, a family member who God wants you to pray for. And specifically pray for because maybe they don't know the life-changing love of Jesus and, and you know what they would find in that abundant life that Jesus has to offer. And, and so we have been asking, just text that name in to us and we have a team of people who will pray over that person by name. And it's been a beautiful thing to experience and, and in hopes that even some of those people may join us or a church in the area um, for worship services this Sunday. So I'd invite you now, even if something comes to mind, go ahead and text that name uh, in. We would love to pray over them. And in fact, we'll be praying at 12.15 today via Zoom. And you're all invited to join us in that. You can find the link on the screen, but would love for you to participate. Um, so it is Holy Week, Easter is coming, and we have lots of things happening in the life of the church this week, and so I'm just going to make mention real quick, but no, you can find all of this information on our website. Um, the first thing I want to invite you to experience is we did something a little different this year, especially in this contemporary space for Holy Week, and it's an online experience called Journey to the Cross. And there is worship and there is teaching. It's available on video or podcast. There is art. And it is just this beautiful way to walk through the last days of Jesus through something we call the Stations of the Cross. In fact, if you are here in the room, you might have seen the artwork when you came in. That's part of that experience. And so I would invite you to check that out this week when you have some quiet time to sit with that and reflect a little bit. Then on Good Friday, we will have a services in person and online, uh, services in person at our classic venue as well as at our Butterfield campus. You're welcome to join us online for those for Good Friday as well. And then we just added Saturday at 4 p.m. out in the parking lot. We're going to do an outdoor service. It's going to be pretty short and it's going to be very family friendly. So if you have little kids that you're nervous about maybe bringing here on Easter Sunday, this could be a great opportunity for you to come worship in the parking lot. Dan's going to 
share just a short message. Um, you don't need to register. You can just come for that. We'd ask that you bring a chair, bring a blanket if you might need it. And if the weather is bad, we will not do it. So keep an eye on the weather, and uh, we'll post that online if we decide not to do it. But the even more exciting thing is right before that worship service at 3.30, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt for uh, kiddos ages third grade and under. So if that you are in that category, come on out, have the kids find some eggs, get hopped up on sugar, and then come over to <laughs> the worship service, and we will just praise Jesus for what he's going to do this week. Would love for you to attend that. And then, of course, Sunday morning, we will have our normal worship services at 9 and 11 o'clock on both hours. And if none of those things work for you, we have an on-demand experience starting Saturday that you can watch when it's convenient for you. So uh, I know that's a lot to take in, but the big message is um, check our website. There's lots going on. Would love for you to participate. Invite a friend and just come on out and let us uh, praise what is about to come on Easter Sunday. Well, we're going to switch gears as we always do during our worship service and enter into our time of generosity where we receive uh, our tithes and our offerings for um, the week. And I just want to share a quick story with you that's been on my mind, especially with Holy Week and Passover uh, coming this week. Because I had an opportunity last week to have a conversation on a podcast we've been doing in women's ministry called Deeper Still. And I had a conversation with a guy by the name of Bill Scheel, who is an active member of this community, as well as he is the president of Northern Theological Seminary right down the road. And Bill and I had a chance to interact over a vignette, a story that happens after Palm Sunday and before the crucifixion in Mark chapter 14, in which Jesus is having dinner with his disciples. And they're reclining around a table, and in the midst of that dinner, a woman walks in. She does something upside down, as you're going to have to hear Tara Beth share in the message. She does something countercultural. She walks in, and she has this expensive jar of perfume. She breaks it, and she anoints Jesus. And the disciples and the men around the table, they get all up in arms, and they, they start rebuking her and shaming her, and Jesus steps in, and he says, you know what, leave her alone. She did what she could. And Bill and I talked about that idea of she did what she could. She brought her worship, her gifts to Jesus. She did what she could with what she have, and she poured them on the feet of her king. And that's what this moment is all about. It's a chance for us to take a, to inventory and say, what do we have? What is Jesus calling us to do with what we have, what we can to anoint our king and to bless the kingdom of God, bless the people around us. So that's what this offering moment is all about. We are a church that wants to be radically generous in every way. So just a few things to think about. We have lots of different ways you can give. Those will be up on the screen, but would invite you as we continue our worship to give that offering now. stand and sing with us. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. And my God will never fail. 
Good morning, Christ Church. To those of you who are here with us in Oak Brook or for those of you who are joining us online, it is a joy to be worshiping with you and to be opening the word with you. My name is Pastor Tarabath, and I have the joy and honor of being one of the pastors here at Christ Church and the great joy and honor to open the word with you this morning. And as I was getting ready, I had the news playing in the background as I often do in the mornings just to catch the headlines. And I was struck by this constant news cycle of death tolls. Seems like we're constantly hearing about the current death toll of fill in the blank. And this week, the news cycles, anything from mass shootings from Atlanta to Boulder, Colorado, to Virginia Beach, and then to nature, (laughs) tornadoes and floods, it seems unending. And as we live in this reality of this already but not yet, meaning already Christ has come but not yet, the world has yet to be fully redeemed, we are reminded yet again of the brokenness in this world and our need and longing for a savior, our need and longing for healing and for redemption. And so before we open the word this morning, I just want to pray and stand in solidarity for all of those who are hurting and crying out as we enter into this holy week. Let us pray. Lord, as we remember the brokenness and pain in this world, we ask, how long, O Lord? And we cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come to those who are suffering and grieving and mourning. Come to those who are despairing. Come to those who are in need of hope. And we look to you as our ultimate hope and the one that will bring about ultimate redemption. And Lord, right here, right now, we pray that you would meet with us. Again, meet with us, meet with those who are hurting, meet with those who are celebrating. And we ask that you would open up our hearts and minds, give us ears to hear, a mind to understand. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. I have a friend, we'll call her Janet this morning. Janet is a feisty little lady that sometimes just gets away with so much. She is a firecracker. And she's one of those people that is always in a hurry, you know that type. I'm actually one of those. She's one of those people that's just always in a rush, moving from one meeting to the next, and she's always, almost always, running late. Well, many years ago, she told me about a story where she was running her kids to soccer practice in her minivan, and she was, of course, running late. And so she hit the pedal to the metal, and as she was driving, she suddenly looked in her rearview mirror, only to discover red and blue light spinning behind her. She pulled over her car, and she looked at the officer, and she, she said, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. I wasn't even paying attention to the speedometer. I should have I been paying attention. I guess my, my pedal just went to the metal. <laughs> and he said, oh, you know what? It's okay. I get it. Been there. You're in a rush trying to get your, your, your kids to soccer practice, so, so I'm, I'm going to let you off the hook. And the offer, officer showed her kindness and grace. And off she went. Well, just several hours later that day, she was running her kids somewhere else, 
and was driving as though she had completely forgotten about the officer's kindness and graciousness. And once again, that little old lead foot just went into action and she looked in her rearview mirror and she saw the red and blue light spinning behind her again. She pulled over her car, this time sweating a little bit more, and she began to sweat and her heart began to beat when she discovered it was the same officer walking to her car. And of course, once again, oh my goodness, officer, I am so sorry. How often do we forget about the Lord's kindness and graciousness and goodness and go on living as though we have forgotten, as though we have some sort of spiritual amnesia? As we continue our series on covenants, one of the things that we discover is a loving, gracious, merciful, relational God that moves in towards the people of Israel with acts of forgiveness, with tokens of grace, in fact, tokens upon tokens of grace, with, with mercy over and over again. And the people of God respond over and over again as though they have forgotten about God's loving, mercy, kindness. Last week, as Dan walked us through the Mosaic Covenant, we discovered this incredible gift that God gave God's people through the gift of the law. He gave them boundaries in which to live by, and this law was an incredible gift that they would live within the boundaries of God and stand out to the rest of the world. That when they lived within the ways of the law, they would embody light, they would embody hope, they would embody love, and that the world would be able to see the holy people of God and discover what God was like. The law was a vehicle in which the people of God could live out God's purposes in this world. But of course, as the people of God often do, the moment that Moses comes down from the mountain after giving the people of God the law, he discovers that they have built up an altar, they have created an idol, and they had forgotten about God's loving kindness and grace. And very quickly, just as quick as they committed to living in the ways of God, they were quick to turn their backs and worship another God. They had forgotten about God's loving kindness. And as we look through the Bible's big story and we roll through the pages of the Old Testament into the New, we discover this pattern over and over again where Israel's brokenness is revealed. They take steps of mistrust. And even shortly after this moment of worshiping the golden calf, we see them wandering through the desert. We see them worshiping other gods. We see them forgetting about God's loving kindness. And as we flip through the pages, we see internal strife happening within the community and they show another act of mistrust towards God. As they look at all the brokenness within their community, they say, well, we have a solution. When we look at all the other nations of this world, they have a king. Why don't we have a king? That's what we need. That is going to solve all of our problems. So they go to their leader, a prophet by the name of Samuel now, by the time we arrive to this story, and they go to Samuel and they say, Samuel, you know, we've, we've been looking around and 
We've noticed that all the other nations, they have a king, and we've got a lot of strife, we've got a lot of problems, you're old, and you know, we just are, we're ready for something new. And so Samuel goes to the Lord completely and utterly distraught. He says, Lord, what do I do? They want a king. And Samuel then returns to the people of God, to Israel, and he says, listen, here's the deal. I don't think you really want to be like the other nations. I don't think you really want another king. Because if we take on a a new king, here's what's going to happen. He says, they're going to take our children and they're going to send them off to war, this, this king. We're going to be taxed. We're going to be militarized. They're going to take our best cattle and take it for themselves. Our plows are going to be turned into weapons. And, and so he goes, Samuel goes to the Lord and he says, he says, listen to all that the people are saying to you. He says, it is not you they have rejected. Now this is God talking to Samuel. He says, but it is me they have rejected as their king. See, the problem here isn't against Samuel. But God points out that this is a theological issue going on here. This is an act of mistrust. They now no longer want God to rule as their king, but they want God to rule through a human as their king. So God says, Samuel, it's not you they're rejecting, it's me they are rejecting. He says, but listen to them, warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as their rights. And so he goes to them, and again he says, Listen, you don't really want a king. If you get a king, and we're just like the other nations, they're gonna take our children, send them to war, we're gonna be taxed, we're gonna be militarized, they're gonna take our best cattle, but they continue to demand a king. And this not only was a rejection of God, but this also was a rejection of the purposes of God. You see, Israel was to be different. Israel was to be set apart from the rest of the world. They weren't to be like the rest of the world. They were to be an alternative community, but now they're saying, no, 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 we actually want to be like the rest of the world, and we want a monarchy. And again, what we discover is it's just like God to move in with an act of kindness and grace and to elevate their sinful desires and use it as a vehicle for God's purposes to shape the rest of eternity. And so God then calls upon a king we discover by the name of Saul. But the problem with Saul is Saul had a hard heart. Saul was dishonest before God and dishonest before others. And so God dethroned Saul and calls upon another king. But this king was the most unlikely of kings. He didn't stand out. He didn't come across as powerful. In fact, he had brothers that looked like they should have been more fit for the role. But as God reminds us, human looks at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. And God saw something about David, a man after God's own heart, this small, young, Shepherd boy, God calls, and God calls him to rise up to the throne, to a monarchy, to be king 
for a delivery system for God's purposes in this world. And we see now this deepening or continuation of this covenant, which entails a special relationship and eternity. We see this now continuing through David. So let's take a look. We're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 17, if you want to follow along on the screen or if you have your Bible and you want to open up. Let's take a look to this continuation and deepening of the covenant. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now, I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house, listen to this, your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Before me, your throne will be established forever. And Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. God deepened this commitment and covenant that God made with his people, that he would elevate them and use them for his purposes in this world. And in this covenant, he promises a special revelation. He promises a special relationship. And out of this special relationship, the world would be able to see the beauty and the wonders of the people of God, and God would be revealed through them. And out of this special relationship, he promises a family and a kingdom or a monarchy, a rule, an eternal rule that will last forever. In fact, we see this word forever three times. It says, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever three times. You see, when God promises to do something forever, we can be sure that all of eternity is being shaped. And as we continue on, we will discover that this eternity that was being shaped, we are now the recipients of this good and wonderful covenant and promise. And so God establishes this promise that there would be a king in which God would rule through. This king would be named David and his descendants, and his descendants, and his descendants would continue on, and this monarchy would continue on into eternity. Well, as the pages unfold, we see God's people again forget about God's loving kindness 
and grace and mercy. As this internal strife continues long after David's rule, the people of God forget about God's goodness. They reject God. They stop following God's ways. They forget about the law even at one point. And God's prophets emerge and begin to call the people back. Come back, Israel. Repent. And as they prophesy, they prophesy about this king that they are longing for, this continuation of a monarchy, that another king would come that would be like David, that would be the offspring of David, and that David's eternal kingdom would continue. And so the people of God were longing for this through all of the internal strife, through all of the destruction, and a faithful remnant remained. And we see this beautiful continuation of the story when we arrive to the Gospel of Matthew. At the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, we see this long genealogy with all of these names, and we think, what's the point of this? Well, there's an incredible declaration that God's promises are being fulfilled, that the line of Abraham, that the line of David is continuing on. And then an angel appears to a poor peasant virgin awaiting to be married, and speaks about this promise to her. In Luke chapter one, verses 31 to 33, listen carefully in light of what we've learned so far. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And this child born in Bethlehem promised to be the son of David, promised to have a kingdom that will never end, to fulfill the promises made long ago, fully human, fully divine, comes to establish heaven on earth comes to establish his kingdom. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This promise of a kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, this promise of, of a rule that will last for eternity in the lineage of David is now coming to reality. And Jesus comes to establish not just any kingdom, but one that is not of this world, but one that is in this world very much so. As he comes to establish this kingdom, he shows us the way in which the citizens of this kingdom are to live, that we are called to live by love, that we are called to live by mercy, that we are called not to live through the coercive ways of former kings of the past or empires of the past, but we are to live subversively in the way of grace in a very upside down way oftentimes by ennobling the voices of those who have been silenced, by empowering those who have been marginalized, and by emboldening those who have 
have been sidelined. Jesus comes to establish a new kind of kingdom and calls us to a better way. And again, back to these original purposes of God, that those who live within this kingdom would live in stark contrast in this world in such a way that a weary world would rejoice in the ways that the people of God are living. And so Jesus, as he continues on to his ministry, we arrive to the text of this day of Palm Sunday, Jesus' journey to his royal coronation, where he moves in and he assumes his role as king, but in a very unexpected way. The crowd and even the disciples believed that he was indeed son of David, but they had a very limited understanding of what son of David meant. They wanted the chariots. They wanted the empire and Rome and the rulers of the day to just be, be burned down with the fire and for God to move in and establish his rule. They wanted the, the militarization. They wanted God to ride and they wanted Jesus, son of David, to ride in on his chariots and rule with an iron fist and show the world that their kingdom is being established. But instead, Jesus rides in on a borrowed donkey, wearing simple garments. And as they cry out, Hosanna, son of David, save us, it isn't the red carpet or velvet that is rolled out for him, but instead it's the tattered garments of the peasants on the street. It is palm branches. And the responses are varying as, as they believe that Jesus is coming, yes, to establish his throne, which indeed he was, but they had a very particular understanding of how they thought it was going to happen. But Jesus doesn't come and he doesn't overthrow Rome. But instead, his coronation is upside down. As his royal coronation turns out, is a crown of thorns, nails in the palms and his feet. And in a moment, over 2,000 years ago, this king and his royal coronation day, he isn't wrapped in velvet and grandeur, but instead heaped up upon him is a world's sin and brokenness and forgetfulness and hardness and pain of this world is heaped up upon him. And the disciples and the crowds, in one moment they cried out, Hosanna, God save us, and the next moment they thought, this isn't the king we signed up for. This doesn't make sense. We wanted instant power. But as the good news goes, that grave, that tomb could not keep him in, and in seven days we will celebrate that he was risen and risen to new life. And the story gets better from there. Not only was he risen to new life, but then we arrive to the book of Acts in chapter one where we see this great ascension where he ascended to the throne and then the gift of the spirit was given to us and we are now recipients of this eternal kingdom. 
This kingdom has been launched. This new creation has been launched. As Jesus broke through, bursted through the powers and darkness and decay of this world and now reigns as eternal king, son of David, this promise of a monarchy that would last forever is now fulfilled in King Jesus. And our purpose then as citizens of this kingdom is to submit to his reign and rule and to live in the ways of this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That the world would experience this kingdom that he came to establish. The world would experience it where? In us. Through our hands, through our feet, and the ways that we worship together, and the ways that we care for our neighbors, and the ways that that we care for the hungry, the poor, and the hurting, and the ways that we proclaim that Jesus is king and offer the world an alternative way of living. This promise that was made to King David so long ago is not just some far off promise, but it's an experienced reality one in which we are the recipients today. And the invitation for us, for those who hear this message, that Jesus has come to establish his kingdom in Oak Brook as it is in heaven, his kingdom in Westmont as it is in heaven, his kingdom in all of Chicagoland as it is in heaven, his kingdom in all of the world as it is in heaven. It it is established through those who submit under his reign and rule and participate in his goodness in this world that the world would taste and see that indeed the kingdom of heaven is near. And so this invitation for us then is to simply come. As we hear from Isaiah chapter 55 and then again in Revelation 22, hear these words, hear this invitation for God's kingdom. Says this, come, all who are thirsty, Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Come. God's promises have been fulfilled in the promise given to David so long ago. And because of God's mercy and because of God's kindness, there are so many times throughout this life where you and I are going to live as though we forgot. And we are gonna settle for something less. And God will continue to faithfully and graciously and mercifully call us to be recipients of his grace yet again. And so hear this invitation now in Revelation 22. Now this is Jesus speaking to us. And as I read this passage, I pray that you would open your heart and mind and hear and absorb and experience these words of Jesus. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root of the offspring of of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. 
and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water of life come. We are invited to come and drink deeply from the well of eternal life. Dear ones, there's so much in this world that offers us promises that aren't lasting. And the temptation for all of us is to seek the shortcuts to drink from the waters that are polluted in this world. But the invitation of Jesus is to come and drink from the living water. When we lived in Southern California, in Pasadena, California, the church that I was pastoring offered us this wonderful gift. They gave us annual passes to Disneyland. And when we first moved to Southern California, my boys who are nine and 11 years old were four and six years old. And so you can imagine we were recipients of this awesome gift. We went once, sometimes twice a week, and because we lived so close, we would sometimes go there for just an hour or two and then come back home. We were living our best life in Southern California as a family. And our first summer there, one of the first times we went with a group of friends, it was like 100 or 110 degrees. Southern California summers tend to get really hot like that. And I was as prepared as I possibly could be. I had my backpack of of cold drinks and snacks for the boys, and we tried to stay under the shade as often as possible. And we made our way to one of the popular rides. It was a 90-minute wait. And because we'd already been there for quite some time, I ran out of water. But we were inching our way closer, and my youngest son, Noah, who was four years old at the time, kept saying, Mommy, I'm so thirsty. And I was torn in one sense. I I wanted to break from the line and get my son some water, but I didn't want to have to wait another 90 minutes. And we were almost to the front of the line. We were almost there. So I kept saying, Noah, as soon as, just wait. As soon as we get off this ride, we're going to have ice cold water, and it's be great. We just have a little bit more to go, just a little bit longer to wait. Well, as we inched forward to the line, there was this water fountain. And I looked close at it, and I thought, oh, at first I thought, well, maybe he could have a drink. But we discovered that it was clogged up, and it wasn't working correctly. And I'll save the details for another time of what was actually clogging that water fountain, because I want you to go and enjoy a good brunch after this. But I'll just tell you that it was clogged, and it was gross. And my four-year-old walked up to it, discovered it wasn't working, and he just stuck his face into that water and began to slurp it up. I was horrified. Noah, we just had a few more minutes till we were to the front of the line, and we were getting it off, and we were going to get some ice cold water. This is no, this is going to make you so sick. Tragically, so many of us are settling for the polluted waters of this world. We are, pol- we are settling for the polluted ways and kingdoms of this world that aren't lasting. They promise short-term satisfaction. We're all lured by the quick ways to success. We're lured by the quick ways to to happiness in this world. And all of us are prone in our fallenness to chase after these dreams. And what we will discover as we pursue these polluted wells of this world 
is it wasn't lasting, that it leaves us where we were to begin with and sometimes even worse off. And there, waiting for us, as we're pursuing all of the meaningless waves of this world, is Jesus, loving, kind, and gracious, who says, come. Come, I have something eternal. Come, all who are thirsty, come. And let's show the world an alternative and better way. Come, all who are thirsty. For this kingdom is different. This kingdom brings freedom. This kingdom brings purpose. This kingdom brings meaning. This kingdom brings life. This kingdom brings a unique way of living, and it brings belonging. Perhaps you, like the people of God that we've read about over these weeks, have, pursuing, have been pursuing the polluted wells of this world. Perhaps you have been forgetting about the promises of God. Perhaps you, too, have forgotten of God's kindness. The good news is this invitation to come is always here. It's always sure because eternity has been shaped. And this kingdom that has been established here as it is in heaven, the invitation is that it would be an experienced reality today. So, dear ones, would you come and drink from the river of eternal life? Let us pray. Lord, how often we choose not to wait on you. How often we settle for a second best. How often we settle for the polluted wells and waters of this world. Lord, may we hear your words and may we indeed come and bow down to the one in true and sure and faithful and promised eternal king and may your kingdom be an experienced reality in Oakbrook and Butterfield and beyond as it is in heaven in the name of Jesus we pray amen
one thing we can rely on is that God is a God of promises, is sure, is faithful to shape all of eternity in which we get to be recipients of. And so brothers and sisters in Christ then, as you go on this day, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace everlasting. And may you go drinking from the wellspring of life. In the most powerful name of God who created the heavens and the earth, God the Son who rode in a borrowed donkey, journeyed to the cross, laid down his life, but rose from the grave and ascended to the throne where he now reigns. 
and God the Spirit who will empower us to reflect God's goodness in a weary world. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Bless you, see you next week.